We're back. It's show 26 of the Rim Pro Report. On the show today, we'll chat with Vinny Sikor of Immersion, and we'll learn about their info launch service. Plus, we're going to catch up to date on some of the industry news. And, you know, ultimately, we have some catching up to do. You ready? I am. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Wow, it has been a while. Welcome back. I'm back. We're back. You're back. I am glad you, you're you here. I am glad to be back. And as luck would have it, Dwight Schrute from Dunder Mifflin, the paper products company in Scranton, PA, is also in the studio with me today. I want to thank you for joining me today on the first show back in a while. As you know, I've been gone for a little while. All right, who did this? I'm not mad. I just want to know who did it so I can punish them. Well, well, no one did anything, Dwight. Actually, a few weeks, uh, a, you know, I scheduled a few weeks of a, of a sabbatical, actually, in the end of December because we had done 25 shows. I was feeling, you know, there was a lot that we had put into the show over the months, and I needed a break. A couple of weeks, my kids were down for Christmas from Canada into San Diego, and then, you know... Those couple of weeks turned into some big projects early in the new year, a snowstorm that inadvertently got me stuck in Pennsylvania, and lots of new stuff happening here at Flourish Press. Plus, just getting out of the habit of doing the show every week might explain the extended sabbatical. And then when you had, you know, like colds and health issues to boot, well, you know, there's a reason we haven't been around for a while. In the wild, there is no health care. Um. In the wild, health care is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. A lion eats me, and oh. I'm dead. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. Uh, okay. Uh, right. Uh, thankfully, I'm alive, and we're back doing the show. Really, you know, I, I think maybe I had a cold. Hey, thanks to all of you who emailed and reminded me about how much the show means to you. I really appreciate that you take the time to subscribe and listen to the show every week. It means a lot to me. I know that uh, a number of, of many of you actually download to your iPod or your your Android uh, and some of you, many of you just come to the actual site to, to listen to the program. And I am grateful that you do that. So thanks to all of you who continue to subscribe and listen. And our goal is to get back on track and do the show every week on an ongoing basis. So uh, we'll keep you in the loop. So uh, Dwight Schrute, uh, tell me what's going on in your life. Last week I gave a fire safety talk and nobody paid any attention. Huh. Well, it's my own fault for using PowerPoint. PowerPoint. PowerPoint is boring. Well, yeah. People learn in lots of different ways, but experience is the best teacher. So, what are you planning on doing in response? What What's the uh, you know what's the thing you're going to do to teach them today? Smoking is going to save lives. Got it. Very interesting perspective. Hey, let's get this back on track. 
You know, I'm pretty pumped to introduce you to Vinny Secor, who we will be chatting with just a little bit later in the show. He'll be explaining Immersion's InfoLaunch breach notification service, and together we'll explore what they're doing. My, you know, Mike Sullivan, uh, former guest on the show, he introduced me to Vinny, and I, I got to say, this is interesting stuff, and I think it's really important that you... Uh, stay with us to hear what's going on with InfoLaunch, that that uh, really cool product. So I know you love to be prepared, Dwight. Uh, aren't you all about security? Security in this office park is a joke. Last year, I came to work with my spud gun in a duffel bag. I sat at my desk all day with a rifle that shoots potatoes at 60 Yee. pounds per square inch. Wow. Can you imagine if I was deranged? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what would happen if you were deranged. That's, that's a little scary to think about, you know? People say, oh, it's dangerous to keep weapons in the home yep. or the workplace. Yeah. Well, I say, it's better to be hurt by someone you know accidentally than by a stranger on purpose. Ooh, I'm not even sure how to respond to that. I, I don't think either is all that appealing. So, not quite sure how we got into the weapons thing, Dwight. I... Uh, Let's leave that aside. I hope those of you who are listening are well, that your new year is starting to evolve in the way you want it to. I can't actually believe it's already past the middle of February. Valentine's Day is shot by us, and I expect in your life, as there has been in mine, lots has, lots has transpired since we last talked. So I thought it would be valuable to catch up on a lot of industry news. I don't want to take too long to do that because I really want to get talking to Vinny but uh, lots of interesting stuff has happened, and I wanted to catch you up on that if if you hadn't been uh, keeping up on it yourself. So let's take a few minutes and go to the news. All right. The social security numbers of more than 8,000 child care providers were exposed via U.S. mail this week. A third party company that was hired by the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services to manage a new automatic payment system made a very big boo boo when they left social security numbers outside of postal envelopes. Yikes. Hey, Cintas acquired Code Shred last week. That's uh, kind of big news, which doubled its manpower and sales in the area around New York. Cintas also received a Business Integrity Commission Award for its New York City document management operations. So congratulations to Cintas. NAID's first round of examinations for the new Certified Secure Destruction Specialist designation are through. And 23 individuals have passed that course. So... Uh, way, way to go. That's kind of cool. Uh, more than 20% of test takers didn't pass. So, um, you know, there's there's some people who obviously uh, need to get some more. And it, it speaks to the value and integrity of the exam. So if you're thinking about taking the CSDS test, uh, there is going to be an immersion course offered by NAID in Chicago March 9th and 10th. And the next CSDS examination will be held in Orlando March 18th at the NAID conference. Speaking of the conference, and maybe as a side note, the 2011 NAID conference, uh, March 18th to 20th, uh, the attendance count has more than tripled from last year's number. And last year was a good year, but wow, tripled. That should make Bob and the board and the uh, the entire staff 
of Nade really smile a lot. I never smile if I can help it. Oh. Showing one's teeth is a submission signal in primates. Once someone smiles at me, all I see is a chimpanzee begging for its life. Uh, Dwight, you are a strange and quirky man. Hey, in late January, the UK division of IP Plus acquired UK-based Ancora solutions to the tune of $758,000. Speaking of UK acquisitions, Lloyd's Banking Private Equity Unit, LDC, has bought a majority stake for... Uh, 11.5 million pounds in Sala. I believe that's how you say it, S-A-L-A International, which is a rim service company that has uh, locations in Essex and Leeds. So uh, the investment community continues to see value in rim service providers. Minnesota-based Shredrite and Document Destruction Service Limited merged in late January. And look at this, Diversified Information Technology, which is based out of Scranton, PA, Dwight, the location of your office, received NADE certification in late January. Looks like they'll be shredding all the excess Dunder Mifflin paper. Learn your rules. You better learn your rules. If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> right. Okay, so yes, uh, I think the folks at Dunder Mifflin will be learning their rules about secure shredding. Cornerstone Records Management acquired all-star shredding in mid-January. Good news for Cornerstone. They continue to, to buy away. Uh, Asia-Pacific Regional Conference from PRISM is next week, and that's in Vietnam, so February 21st through 23rd. I know Melissa and some of the other people are getting ready to go, so uh, I hope that's a great conference. PRISM is also actively preparing and working on the 31st annual conference that will be held May 10th to 12th in Doral, uh, in Miami, there's a rumor floating around that there's going to be a million-dollar shootout golf event. Uh, that seems to be uh, par for the course. Oh, <laughs> that was good. Hey, AIM announced the recipients of its 2011 Association Awards yesterday. The biggest award, the Award of Merit, went to Robert Breslowski of Eastman Kodak. Eastman Kodak, to me, has been one of those companies that has really evolved their service offerings, what they're doing in the world, and congratulations to Robert of Eastman Kodak on winning the AIM Award of Merit. Recall seems to be having a good month. Congratulations to them. They were honored as a diamond partner by Highland Software and become North Am and uh, have become North American AAA certified NADE for the second consecutive year. You know what? That's uh, that's all I've got right now. There is lots of news going on. I'm sure there's news happening in your part of the world, in your business, as it relates to you. And if you want to share that with me, I'd love to hear it from you. Uh, but for now, I'm going to uh, try and get Vinny Sakuri on the line. So why don't you just sit tight for a second? I'm going to play some music and see if we can get him on the phone. Hang on. Well, we're back. I uh, am excited today because we have Vinny Sikor on the line. Vinny is the VP of Business Development at Immersion, which is a company that has developed an incredibly cool service called InfoLaunch. And rather than try to explain InfoLaunch and what that is uh, all by myself, which I probably could do, but I'm choosing not to, let's just get to it. Vinny, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hey, Vinny. Uh, really nice to talk to you. You're in Pennsylvania. 
I am. I'm located in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, home of the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, well, we want to keep people happy on the show, so let's <laughs> let's not uh, create enemies too quickly. No, well, that's that's kind of cool. And we're in the middle of winter, so uh, we're having fun, I assume. Oh yeah, we're gonna have uh, some snow uh, later this evening, so it'll uh, it'll be a fun day. Good. Hey, let's start with this uh, thing called Info Launch. Uh, I learned about it a little while ago and started digging into it, and I think it's incredibly cool what you guys are doing. But so, tell me what Info Launch is. Tell me a little bit more about it. Okay, InfoLaunch is a data breach notification service. We actually do both uh, pre-breach and post-breach services, uh, ranging anywhere from consulting with clients to build a a breach incident response plan to, in the event of a data breach, uh, you know, advising uh, clients as to all the the steps that need to be taken and and following the process all the way through until the, the breach is contained and the notification has been delivered. So what's that look like? Get, flesh that out a little bit for me. What, what's a, a breach notification process look like? Okay. You know, most people have probably experienced uh, a data breach from a, from a victim level. You, you may have at some point uh, received a letter, Tom, from a bank or a credit card of yours stating that, that there was uh, an event that occurred and, and they need to issue you a new bank card. And, right. And, so, you know, that, that letter that you receive from either Visa or your bank or, or some other entity, that's, that's what in the industry is considered to be an official notification. And, oh, okay. the, and the federal government and state governments actually regulate that. There's, there's a number of different statutes that, that uh, you know, are, kind of take the lead on what a company has to do whenever a breach has occurred. Okay. So the, the, that's, that's – Essentially, what you do, you publish that breach. You pu- publish that breach notice. We do, and it, it, it's it's a bit more complex than that. There's a there's a forensic component that comes in. Uh, you know, you have to determine um, how large a breach is, how small a breach is. There's a there's a legal aspect of of determining. Okay, um, you know, how many different states were affected? What are the regulations involved in the states? And you know, I often like to tell people. Um, when a data breach occurs, it, it actually triggers a, a series of complex um, processes that need to be that need to be executed very quickly. And you know, if you imagine it, if you imagine a large breach of, of a couple million or or five to ten million individuals, that's you know that's a lot of work that needs to be done very quickly. Oh yeah. So uh, my sense is that that you guys then are experts at all of the different components, uh, regional components, state components of how to respond in these situations. And when a situation does occur, then you go into action on behalf of the client. Correct. And, and usually, the, usually what occurs is what we've done is we've, we've built a team of, of partners as well as our own uh, core internal capabilities, uh, everything from legal experts that will help, help a client determine what the regulation state and what needs to be done, to forensic specialists that will make sure that the breach has, has been stopped and if it was a hacking type of incident and, and also determine how wide the breach is, you know, whether, uh, you know, whether the, the systems compromised had, had uh, data that was, you know, either PHI, which is protected health information, or PII, which is personally identifiable information. Uh, all the way down to we've got PR we've got PR folks that will help companies you know protect their brand with with public relations, um, you know news conferences things like that that occur 
um, down to the printing and the mailing of the notices and, and even, you know, follow-up remediation if necessary. Wow. So this, this is a, this is a, a full-on response mechanism as well as what you said, pre-response mechanism, getting people prepared in the event that a, a response you know, a response is needed. Uh, tell me about the genesis of this idea. I mean, I mean, it, it, you know, I hear it and I, I live and breathe this industry and wasn't aware that there was a service like this until I found you a little while ago. And, you know, it makes logical sense now, but at the time, you know, where, where did this come from? What got you to be experts at this? Tell me the genesis or the story of InfoLaunch. Okay. Well, well, our parent company is NPC, and NPC is the largest print and mail vendor to the federal government. Really? Uh, we, we, yeah, we work with the government printing office, which is often referred to as the GPO. And back in 2005, 2006, there was this infamous incident where the, uh, the Veterans Administration had a laptop that was stolen. Oh, yeah. I don't know, Tom, if you remember that. Well, that affected almost 27 to 28 million veterans had their Social Security numbers compromised. And... And that was that wasn't even a hacking incident. That was a it was a home invasion where a laptop had been stolen, and on the laptop was was a significant amount of data. Wow! Because of our relationship, because of NPC's relationship with the government, uh, we handled a, a portion of those notifications. And and when we when we serviced that contract, our our executive team realized you know there could be a there could be a real need moving forward uh, for a company like us to provide notifications and. And due to the due to the com- the complexity of, of of a notification, we decided the best way to handle that would be to create a, a wholly owned subsidiary and, and really focus on privacy and security and 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 build that that full suite of solutions that I that I outlined earlier. Yeah, wow. It's I mean it's such and and I, I would think too based on what happened with the uh, Veterans Administration and your response to that, the last couple of years have been almost perfect storm for you guys. In terms of of you know the regulations keep ramping up, the response requirements keep ramping up, the you know the the compliance issues keep ramping up, as well as the tendency for things to to happen uh, because of online you know online security issues and that it, it's I mean for, from a company perspective, way to go. Yeah, you know what, what we, you know just like most companies we. We we kind of go where the where the you know the industry leads us, and we we began with with banks because banks were were huge targets, and and it seemed like in the in the early years the only thing you really read about or heard about were hackers going after banks. But right. now what we found is it doesn't matter what industry you're in because everybody's going electronic. Even the even the RIM industry, you know you know so many. You know, records management companies out there have an electronic component as well as the the physical storage of the records, and so, so you know, your industry is is becoming a, a very you know it's becoming a very high target for for hackers because they're starting to recognize okay we may not be able to breach the security at a main facility, but what about offsite storage? Maybe you know maybe there's there's potential opportunities there at that level. And well, uh, well, let's yeah. yeah, let's talk about it because you see it from a very different perspective. Because everyone on on you know on this show that listens are record storage providers, shredders, uh, scanning providers, uh, media storage. You know, like like the data backup group that that keeps tapes and stuff uh, in their vaults. 
so what are, from your perspective, knowing a little bit about our industry or knowing, you know, about it, what are some of the risks that we face that we might not be aware of? I, I think one of the, I think one of the, the, the biggest risks is simply that, uh, you know, hackers and identity thieves and criminals are starting to recognize the amount of storage and how big the records management industry is. Um, you know, the second, you know, the second risk is the fact that the, the type of records you store today more and more is containing more personal information, um, more protected health information. So, so you've become a, a bigger target because in the past a criminal would go after a bank and today criminals are looking at, at banks in terms of information. And, and, right. and a records management company is basically a large bank of information. Yes, and, right. And depending on what they're storing really determines how high the risk is. And, and I, think the, I think there's a number of different avenues. I, I definitely think that there's a, a serious risk from, from a hacking standpoint because, because criminals out there, you know, notice that. I think the second, you know, the second biggest risk out there is really employees. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example from healthcare. Uh, Tom, have you have you had a flu shot in any in the last couple of years? Uh, yeah. Okay, so practically every American's had a flu shot at least once in the last four to five years. There was a breach that occurred where an employee at a flu shot clinic, part-time employee, all day long was writing down names and security numbers of the of of the the, the patients coming into the flu shot clinic to get flu shots. Wow. Okay. And, and the reason why that was occurring was because that, that employee, who was a part-time employee, was, gonna, was later on selling that information um, and selling the Social Security numbers. I've, I've seen as recently that Social Security numbers can be sold for $100 a, a pop. So, so I, I think employees are another uh, aspect of, of, the, of a risk component that you really have to be careful of is, is because it's, a, it's, you know, as the economy struggles, um, you know, crime is always on the increase, and, and you have to be aware of that. Hmm. So, uh, I, I think, yeah, like you said, uh, the the employee uh, issue, the hacking component. But I think the other thing that that I see that continues to evolve in the rim industry is the movement towards much more digital presence. Um, the you know, the industry was very much sort of birthed in a, a box of files sitting on a shelf in a warehouse that maybe houses a, a million boxes, uh, whereas the whole industry continues to move towards those boxes are now being put in digital format and interacted with digitally, which exposes them now to even a, a bigger and broader set of, of prying opportunity, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I mean simply put, you can hold a lot more information today in the structure and the infrastructures that companies companies have than, than you could in the past. And you know, just the ability to to scan information and then destroy it allows you to store more information per you know per entity. And and you're you're right. I mean, you know, you know, records management folks are huge aggregators of data. And, yeah. And Tom, I don't know if you if you understand the the risks involved with with health information. Uh, the most probably the two most important pieces of information you can acquire as a as a criminal uh, is a birth certificate or a death certificate, and those are two common pieces of information that are that are stored, you know, by your industry. And and you know, and one of the reasons why you want both of those is if anytime you can create a new identity based on 
uh, information from maybe a child that won't have any type of profile, identity profile from a, from a, from a financial status. Yeah. You have free reign for a number of years. And then also, if you have a, uh, an SSN from a deceased individual, you have the ability to, uh, you know, to live on. And so, so yeah, your industry is, a, is probably a, a prime target for, for criminals. Well, so, so let's, let's take it from that into uh, what, you know, I think many of us are dealing with. So, th- yeah, let's look at ourselves and decide, well, we're, we're at risk. But I think in the broader world that we live in now, there are increased risk like uh, tell me a little bit about uh things like hipaa and high tech and how that affects all this sure you know uh so one of the things that high tech did and especially the the most recent regulation that came out is um most of most of your industry is is what's considered a business associate right and business associates are now um liable for for data breach incidents in the past you know, and I used to work for a business associate, so um, we never really worried too much other than the, the risk of losing a contract or brand damage. We, we never really worried about any type of penalties or fines because we were covered by the covered entity. It was right. really their problem. You know, if there was any kind of breach, they'd have to deal with it. Not, not so now. A business associate is covered under the same guidelines that a covered entity is, and, and that, has, that, you know, that, changes the, uh, you know, that changes the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the next, uh, the other item I, I would mention is, is there are regulations where now covered entities are, are required to modify their business associates to, uh, to include the threat and the risk of, of breach and breach notification as part of those, those business associates. Right. And our industry is actually working on insurance me- mechanisms and methodologies, but that doesn't discount then the requirement to deal with it in the event that something happens, which is where you guys come in, right? Exactly. So give me some real-world incidents you've been involved in that, and you don't necessarily have to give us the names or, you know, the, those kind of details, but give us kind of, uh, you've told us what you do, but give us kind of a, uh, the uh, sequential step-by-step process, you know, uh, obviously we can't go into minute detail on it, but give me kind of a response mechanism with some real-world incidents you've been involved in. Sure. You know, so... You know, absolutely. I won't. I will not be providing. Right. I understand that. But um, you know, one of the things that most people don't realize is, is is that very rarely is the company that has had the breach. Uh, very rarely do they actually locate the breach. And I'll give you an example. You know, Visa and American Express and Discover. You know, they have very sophisticated. Uh, you know, technology where they they flag charges all the time, and I'm sure at some point you've received a call from one of your credit cards. Yeah. Asking whether you really bought this, you know, this vase from Thailand. Right. And well, we had an incident where, where Visa was r- r- doing its normal daily thing. They were running all their algorithms, and they were they were you know running through their security division and their software, and and they noticed a certain number of, of flag charges um, in the purchase history of all these all these users, all these clients of theirs. There was a single company that was. That was part of the uh, that that had it was a common was was common to all of these users. Hmm. So that raised another alarm, and they and and they contact that company and notify them, hey, we believe that there may be a, a breach at your facility, you know, you know X Y Z, and we need you to investigate this ASAP. And and so what that did is that triggered a 
you know, a cyber investigation, which involves some forensics folks to, to find out if there was a, a hacker that had, had gotten in. And they were able to locate that there was a hacker. They found through the logs that, that uh, an incident occurred. They were able to track down which databases were affected. And then from there, it was, okay, now we have to determine um, who, you know, who was, who was affected. And my next point that I'm going to make is, is really important to your industry because based on where the victim resides, okay, so if you, if you have, let's say there were 100,000 records or 200,000 records that were compromised. Right. And maybe there were um, 50,000 in Massachusetts and another 25,000 in, in California and maybe another 10,000 in Florida, okay. Yeah. Each of these states have different regulations on what needs to be in the letter and also what the time frame uh, is on delivering notice to the individuals. And, and that, those requirements are not dependent on where the company who had the breach resides, but where the, the person whose information was breached resides. Okay. Well, that's, so, that's an important piece. Uh, very important. And there's 46 different uh, state statutes. Uh, including, you know, some federal statutes. And some, some statutes say you need to, in your letter, you need to notify exactly why the breach occurred and what has happened and what steps you're taking. And others request different information. And so, so you know, once we, once we had realized, okay, we, we now have the list of the affected individuals, it was a matter of then just determining, okay, how many different letters and how many different notices are, are going to need to be um, created and what's the schedule of delivery because, because once that first letter goes out, it's going to hit the news. Right, right. And and so and so from a from a brand from a from a brand protection standpoint, that you you have to be careful. Even though you may have sixty days on one group, that first day that you send really is going to determine when the public's going to find out. Because right. Once that first notice goes out, almost almost immediately, um, media is notified. And there's some states that require that you have to do a media notification. Oh, okay. So that it, it, there's just that's that's the point you know you raised earlier, but the there are so many different ways to look at this that if you you you're not doing it in an appropriate way, you're at risk even a second time. A- absolutely, and and you know what the biggest challenge about this, Tom, is this is a crisis. Okay, when when something like this occurs at a company, it's a crisis, yeah. and and it's very difficult to make decisions, quick decisions, well, you know wise decisions when everybody's in a crisis mode. Right. And so, so, you know, this is really a business continuity type activity as well. You really want to have a lot of these decisions made prior to an incident, um, which is where the planning component is so key, or have somebody that's experienced. I mean, I tell people all the time, I say, look, you know, you may only have one data breach in the lifetime of your company. We, we're experiencing them all the time right. through our clients. And so that's where it's important to have, you know, in a sense, to have somebody like Immersion and InfoLaunch that, that's been through it before. Yeah. So I, obviously, you know, I called you a couple of weeks ago and we, we started this conversation and we're actually recording it today. But um, the the work with RIM vendors, so as I've said, people in the record storage, the media storage, how, how does how do you guys work with companies like that? What what's what's the the model that you use, or is there a model? I, I you know I'm just putting it out there because I, I 
you know, I, I sense having owned a record center myself and worked in one that if there was someone like you, I'd want to figure out how to work with you. Do, do I use you as my vendor or do we partner? To, how, how does that all work with you guys? Yeah, you know, uh, we work through uh, we work through direct relationships as well as channel relationships. A lot of it's dependent on your risk. I mean, if you if you're a, a large record center and you have a, a significant you know amount of risk, thirty million, fifty million. I'm just throwing numbers out yeah. here. It, you know, you know, I think anytime you cross cross a hundred thousand, you know that you, you're at risk. But there's some there's some co- companies out there that have huge amounts of risk because of the amount of data that they hold. Right. Um, you know, the first place we'd like to start is we'd like to to get engaged and help you build an incident response plan. Okay. Um, you know, at, you know, what we find is that as companies um, build their incident response plan, they locate a lot of issues that will help prevent a breach. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a self-assessment we like to take people through. That's usually the first thing we like to do. And then we like to, we like to build what we call a tactical action plan and just build a plan in the event of a worst-case scenario, you have a plan, it's written, and, and you'll be able to, to execute it. And then in the event that there is one, um, you know, we've, we've made some of those tough decisions up front, and it's a matter of being responsive and, and managing the incident from that standpoint. Very cool. And, and I would assume, like you said, you, you work through other channels because one of the things, uh, especially some of the, the, the larger uh, independent and conglomerate record centers uh, have in our industry is they are dealing with um, gigantic um, client relationships themselves that are you know huge and hold a lot of protected information, and they don't always have a effective plan. Their client base doesn't have, have an or, already effective plan in place to deal with breach situations. So, right. I, I see, uh, as you said, a lot of opportunity to to connect dots for people. And um, so, uh, initially, we'll provide some contact details for you. Uh, on the uh, rimproreport.com website in terms of how to get a hold of you guys and uh, and go from there. So that that's it's cool. I, I am just so glad we had the opportunity to kind of uh, get a sense of what you guys are doing. I think it's a, a, a wonderful response and I think timing wise you guys have a have, have a you know a perfect place in the marketplace to do some really neat stuff. So congratulations. Thank you, Tom. I, I've, I've enjoyed our time together, and I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, well, before we finish this, and, you know, I, I, I always say this, I, I think I'm going to get away with 20 minutes, and we end up, you know, just blowing through time because it's so interesting. But I always ask my guests a couple of quick questions. So uh, no perfect or right answer. These are not meant to tax you. They're just responses. What is uh, your perfect vehicle, Vinny? Oh, man. Uh, if you could drive any vehicle you wanted all the time, what would it be? Gosh, that's a great question. I Tom. know. I've that's got, why I I've asked got, them. I've got this. I've got a list of a couple. I definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I. There's definitely a part of me that, uh, that you know, I grew up. I grew up loving Lamborghinis. So someday, I definitely like to try a try a Lamborghini. I wouldn't mind uh, a souped up hybrid uh, DeLorean if, if somebody could build me one of those. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> but you're and, a family man. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so because of that, I probably have to, I probably have to, to you know, reach out and maybe grab, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe one of the uh, BMW X5s or something. Although with four with four kids, I, I think I've I've, gr- I've outgrown it. So, yeah. uh, so any high end uh, van might do that. You know, has a has a flat screen LCD D, 
you know, TV in there so I can watch the games while we're well, traveling. Well, let, let's let's just go with midlife crisis cars and go with the DeLorean or the Lamborghini. There, there you go. <laughs> if you had a profession other than the one you're currently in, what would you like to attempt? Well, I love, I mean, I love people and I love, I love uh, speaking. So I, I would love to be like a life coach or, or some type of motivational speaker. I mean, it would be just great to, to travel and, uh, and, and do things. And, and probably uh, other than that, what I, my, my other dream job would be working with ESPN and maybe hosting a fantasy, uh, a fantasy football show. Got it. Wow. Uh, if you had lunch with one person you've never met but greatly admire, who would it be? If you could do that, I think right now I, I'd uh, I'd want to have uh, have lunch with the 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 past president, President uh, George W. I'd love to pick his brain about about what it was like to go through nine eleven and and some of the other things that he he, he encountered. Cool. You know how many of us have bucket lists of things we want to do in our lifetime, and you, you, you might have a list of 100, whether they be formal or informal. What's your current priority? I definitely want to take a trip out to New Zealand. I've heard great things about New Zealand. Um, would love to, to make sure that I hit every continent. I've been to, you know, I've been to Europe, and I've, been to, uh, I've actually been out to Fiji, and I've been to South America, and you know, obviously North America, but... I've never made it to Africa. I definitely want to take a trip to Africa and see, uh, you know, see what Africa's like. And, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I'd love to skydive. Wow. I think that would be kind of cool. And, uh, and maybe try the around the world in 80 days. Very cool. Well, that, that, uh, that tells me a whole lot more about you and, uh, that's very cool. Well, Vinny, it's been, it's been fabulous. I appreciate the information, the perspective, the, the service you're offering and, uh, and how that relates to our community. And I hope that as a result of some of these, this, this conversation that you get more conversations as a result of it. Cause I think it's, it's imperative that, uh, you know, companies and it's legal, you know, it's by law now that, that they know how to respond in situations. So, uh, thanks again. It was great talking with you and, uh, we'll catch up in a while. Thanks, Tom. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, thanks for being with us this week. Thanks to Vinny for being with us on the show and sharing what they're doing at Immersion. Thanks to Dwight Schrute uh, for being in the studio with us today. And I want to send a special thanks out to Allison, who is helping me produce the show on a regular basis. I'm hoping it wasn't too much of a hassle for you, Allison. Nonetheless, we're glad to have her aboard. Hey, let me know if anything is new in your world and anything you'd like to get shared on the show. We'll catch up next week with another episode of the Rim Pro Report. Over and out. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.